welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and we are going to have a conversation today about Thanksgiving and the importance of giving thanks. And so happy Thanksgiving week to everyone if you're listening to this on on the week of Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time, and we wanted to take some time to talk about thankfulness today. So joining me for this conversation today is our usual crew of our podcast recordings. So uh, hello, Rachel. Welcome. Hey, I'm thankful to be here. So Rachel is here and Jason is here. Good. Hello, Jason. Hello. I am thankful to be here as well. So we're full of thankfulness. We are full of thankfulness. That's good. Yeah, so it is. If, if you're listening to this, as I said, on, on the week that we're recording it and, and putting it out, at least it's the week of Thanksgiving. And so we're doing sort of several things around Thanksgiving and giving thanks and thankfulness and all that. We've got kind of a short uh, sermon mini-series built around that topic. Uh, we've done some Zoom conversation around that topic, and, and I thought it would be a good time to spend some time on that topic in in this podcast as well. And so what we're going to do today, there, there are of course several scriptures that speak to thankfulness and the importance of giving thanks and things that we should be thankful for and all those kinds of things. And I thought for the purpose of this podcast today that we would look at a scripture that I feel like is, is one that we don't often turn to or think about. There are, there are kind of some typical ones that we turn to in this season, and I think those are good for us to look at. Um, I don't want to, to sort of belittle the importance of those things. Uh, I certainly, I preach the same text every Thanksgiving, so I, I recognize the value in returning to some of those. But, but I thought this would be a good space for us to explore one that maybe isn't as often tied to this season or, or isn't one that often kind of comes up in some of the Thanksgiving readings. And so we're going to do that today and, and have a discussion about 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 is going to be our starting point. And so Jason and Rachel, uh, what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to read through this for us. And then uh, I'll just be curious to hear your, just, your thoughts. Any, you, can, you can take the conversation any direction you want it at first as we just kind of respond to what we're, we're seeing here. And then, then we'll see where that takes us. So 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 6. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. All right, lots of potential places to go with that, but... Hopefully this is us trying to, to also be good ministers and point some things out. <laughs> so, so we're attempting to follow in the footsteps that, uh, that, that Paul is calling Timothy to follow in. Um, 
so what like I said lots there's there's lots of interesting imagery in there um, I think several different places we we could go so as you hear those words Jason and Rachel I'm curious to know what hits you about this scripture I think the false teaching is that you're limited um, false teaching in this case is putting on more restrictions and so Paul is encouraging Timothy that the truth in Christ is that we have fewer restrictions um, than what they had before as Jews. And I think he's pointing to the heart of whatever, whatever the condition of your heart is when you receive something is basically what determines if that thing is, is holy or not or clean or unclean, um, which is kind of a new way of looking at uh, the food and everything around them. So it seems like it's almost risky a bit, though, because it's almost like Paul is saying, well, as long as you do it with thankfulness, like, <laughs> you can kind of do whatever you want or take whatever you want. So um, it, it seems a little bit scary almost if we were to live that way. Yeah, I want to come back. Let's, let's hold off on that for just a little bit. We'll come back to that because um, I, I think there are some places to go there. Jason, you have any initial thoughts? Well, um, yes, but because you want to come back to that, I, I, I'm questioning how much I should comment on well, it. Okay. Because I, <laughs> there, was, there was an aspect of fear that um, I think well, Let's Paul just go is, there now then. Okay. Go for it. Well, Paul is outlining here that, you know, he, he says in later times, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I think what he's doing there is identifying the, whether he, whether this is intentional or not, I think he's identifying the tendency of people to be intimidated and fearful of, of freedom in Christ. Um, and that we want to put more restrictions because it helps us feel safer. That we want to limit our um, the the bounty of blessings that we've been given. And what Paul, to me, uh, you know, the way I read this is Paul is working against that and saying, "Look, what what Jesus has given you, what God has created for you." Um, you know, don't don't look for the catch. There is no catch. Um, we want we want to we always we have the cynical mindset that there's this catch that is going to trip us up and that's going to um, cause us to to fall and cause us to um, to fail in some way. And God is saying that that or I mean I'm sorry, Paul is saying Paul is saying that for everything God has created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And so it's speaking to what makes it good or bad isn't its inherent nature. It's how we receive it. Are we receiving it with thanksgiving? Are we receiving with entitlement? Are we receiving with contempt or disgust? That's going to be the, the goodness. That's going to be where the goodness of it lies. Yeah. And... 
you know, Rachel, I think you, you framed it really well in, in terms of kind of what what the false teaching is here that, that Paul is, is kind of trying to bring out. And and I think to 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 what both of y'all were saying, I think in religious terms we would have we we typically have have referred to the riskiness, the the fear that y'all are talking about as kind of the slippery slope that that you know well if you if you do this like this is a slippery slope to just uh you you do it anything goes you can do whatever you want it doesn't matter and and i think though that like paul paul writes a lot about the conscience the conscience of the believer uh the conscience of just people in general and and so i think paul has this assumption that that Jesus followers are are living life well in tune with the spirit and and that when that happens um yeah like don't don't let these people who define who define holiness and righteousness by by just these strict restrictions like don't don't fall into that trap that's as they all have said based on on fear and uh and things like that just yeah, be confident in who you are and, and, and of the spirit within you and, and go and, and do that. And, and I think like that was my, my, my kind of bird's eye overall kind of takeaway from it was, was that the way that, the way that we receive things matters and, and we should be open to the work of the spirit within us and, and aware of that and, 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 and pay attention to, to those types of things of, of how we receive things and that, that, that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it directly connects to Galatians five sixteen. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So I guess uh, my fear is eliminated now because I feel like Paul has this well-rounded teaching of you can receive anything with thankfulness because you are walking by the spirit and the spirit is guiding you and will keep you away from idolatry and sensuality and greed and impurity. So the spirit is is the safeguard, is the protector. So I'm good now. Fear is gone. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to think about it. That that yeah, that the spirit is the safeguard, not the law. Because I think that goes back to what Jason was saying, right? That that sometimes if it can just be easier, right? Like if you just give me a list of things that I can and can't do, let me just follow that list, <laughs> and 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 it'll be good. And and we see like Peter like come against that right in, in in Acts like Peter comes up against that and when when God comes and tells him you know kill and eat and he says well I've never eaten anything un- unclean and 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 God basically tells him what Paul is saying here like in you know basically everything that I have made is is clean I haven't made anything impure um, and and I think you know again as we we talked about this with another scripture I don't remember which one but. But how, you know, it, there's some language that can be distracting in some of these passages, like taught by demons. Like we could we could go, you know, on a on a long winding road about what does it mean to be, you know, for something to be taught by demons. Um, but I do think at its essence, like we still have this mindset that in, in some cases uh, and in, within some people that like wants to define Christianity by terms of what you can't do. 
like Christianity means you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Like I think there are some Christians who have that mindset. I think we are tempted to have that mindset sometimes. And I think you especially see that mindset from outside of Christianity, right? Well, well Christianity is just a list of rules and it's, it's just restrictions. And, I, and so I think that general concept, even though some of the differences may look different now, that concept still lives within the human spirit. That, that, that it means abstaining from or, or being overly restrictive about what I can do. And, and Paul, I think, does repeatedly push back against that and calls us back to this idea of, well, how are you receiving it? And, and let the spirit that is at work within you and your conscience drive you towards what's going to be good and what's going to be beneficial and, and those types of things. You know, I can't help but hear you talk about that and, and think of, you know, I'm fascinated by early Christianity um, and up through medieval Christianity um, and I think about the what the, the those who are often referred to as the desert fathers, you know the um, the the hermits and the monks that would just go out into the wilderness and and just completely reject all kinds of uh, really all kinds of human community and the the benefits of living in a community and in a society and. Um, you know, you're, what you're talking about, I, I see the value in that today, but I just think, you know, that they were searching for this spiritual enlightenment, for lack of a better word, I guess, uh, through minimalism and through the rejection of more than what the, what the Bible and what God tells us to reject, um, Warren, I, I don't know how much you've really looked into that or how much you've studied that, you know, those early desert fathers, so to speak. But I'm curious to know, you know, how how would this fit into their theology, do you think? Or would it? Or would, would they even... I mean, we all, even the most scholarly of Christians, uh, kind of just bypass certain passages. So would this be one of the passages or one of the, the texts that they might just kind of gloss over? Hmm, that's interesting. I feel like they they were not against freedom in Christ, but they believed that the world had already been so corrupt that the only way to actually experience that freedom in Christ was to separate yourself from the world. So I don't think they would say you can't receive things with thanksgiving, but these things themselves by now have been so corrupted, like even food and comfortable clothing because they would wear really uncomfortable clothing and eat incredibly minimal diets. Um, so I feel like they thought the only way for them to live like Christ and to live ethically was just to not have any part in that. So that kind of begs the question, are there elements of that in our world today? Well, I this this may kind of answer that question, but I think it goes back to the other thing. Like, because I, I think you can you can apply this standard of am I receiving it with thanksgiving, both to people who would be more willing to exercise their freedoms and those who are not. Does that make sense? Like, I think you can abstain from some of these things in a way that is done joyfully in thanksgiving, which wouldn't be. Um, which wouldn't be going against what Paul is teaching, you know, because like, so I'm thinking of like, so admittedly, I'm, I'm not very well read up on the 
on on the kind of you know the, the the desert fathers like you're talking about but but certainly i think we could you know look over the course of time and see people who have kind of had monastic type lives who are very joyful and spiritual and thankful and i think of someone today like a richard Rohr, who uh you know lives in this kind of compound type thing in new mexico and has taken a vow of poverty and 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 i think from a certain perspective is living a a self-imposed restricted lifestyle but doing it from a, a different standpoint that I, than I think what Paul is talking about here that's like defining spirituality just by overly restrictiveness and, and almost like attaching salvation to that, right? Like that we have to, to keep away from all of these things. And, and so I think whether or not you're, you're engaging in some of these things of, of the world, it all comes back to how, how am I receiving it? Um, and, and am I, am I doing this from a place of Thanksgiving and, and freedom? Uh, Cause I think you can exercise freedom either way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like Paul isn't saying don't abstain from anything, but he's saying you have the freedom to choose basically. And don't let people teach you that you don't have the freedom to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Because elsewhere, like Paul says, I wish everyone would stay single elsewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and here he says, you know, they forbid people to marry. And so he's like, there's there's balance there. Like, I think like Paul himself personally seems to think it's it's better to stay single. But if you're going to stay, if you're going to say in order to follow Christ, you have you can't get married. I think that's what Paul's like. No, 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 no. That's not that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, If you can if you can receive that as a gift and be thankful for it and use that to glorify God, do it. Um, But see, uh, he also says singleness is a gift. So, so it's about it's about the spirit and the way you receive it. Well, yeah, Paul, to his credit, I, I think, is able to recognize the difference between what he prefers, what he thinks is good, especially for him, and what is ordained by God, what is um, what is commanded by God, or or what is um, what what God wants for our lives. That he's able to differentiate that what I may want. And what God may want are different. And what God may want for my life and what God may want for your life may be different as well. So Mm -hmm. this means if you chose a life of asceticism or a sort of monastic type of life and you did it with thankfulness, Hmm. that is not going against this teaching of Paul. Um, That simply means that this is the path that you have chosen for which you feel that you can be closest to Christ. That's a that's a great point. So fundamentally, the it is about the spirit, and so you know if your spirit of thankfulness is for the the simple, um, re, you know, socially removed and uh, monastic, meditative, prayerful life, uh, then then that's great. It's you know I I think you're you're right. It's that what Paul may be. Um, referring to is rejecting things outright just because, you know, not, not because it brings us holiness, not because it brings us, um, you know, joy and thankfulness, but just rejecting things because, I don't know, but just because it, it feels right to reject it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I think it also relates to, like, not only 
like it's one thing to say this is this is the path for me. It's another thing to say because this is the path for me, this has to be the path for everyone else. And and he says because you know whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Then he says they forbid people. So it's like you have these people who think this is the way this is the way that we should be living. And so because I think this, I'm I'm going to force this upon you and forbid you from doing these things that I think I shouldn't be doing. And and he seems to be speaking against that. And and that's where I think there's this connection to what he talks about in in 1 Corinthians when he says if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So again, it comes back to this question of conscience. It comes back to this question of how am I receiving it? Like if I can eat this in thankfulness to God, then who are you to tell me no, right? Um, but, if, but if I'm in the home of someone who has an issue with that, then it's probably better for me not to do it. Um, and, and so this is the chapter where earlier he says, um, and he uses this in quotes, quote, I have the right to do anything, but, but not everything is beneficial. Then he, then he also says, not everything is constructive. So it's about this idea of as you're living in community, it's about how, how do we build each other up? How do we care for each other? All those things. But then he returns to this idea of, you know, if I can receive something in thankfulness, just because you think it's wrong doesn't mean I should abstain from it. Which is an interesting concept. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, that's kind of a radical idea in modern Christianity in 20th, 20th, uh, 20th and 21st century Christianity, right? Uh, especially within, within our culture. Um, we, we feel like everything, I, I, and I, I have to blame our kind of American aesthetic for, um, you know, everything has to be fair. You know, justice has to be fairly applied. Laws have to be fairly applied. And here it's kind of saying, there's some, you know, individuality that, that may come into play here. That that something may be that I may choose not to partake in something when I'm with one person because it may be offensive to them. I'm deferring to their law, so to speak. I'm deferring mm-hmm. to their sensibilities or their... Um, to their consciences. Their conscience. Well. Yeah, yeah. So I am, I am making my conscience subject or i'm making my conscience subject to their conscience in that environment in that context but in a different context i may not abide by that because that may not be the factor that may not be a factor there and i I think that's something that um again going back to what i was saying earlier about you know we want rules that assure that we're doing the right thing that we're not going to fail we're not going to fall down we're not going to make mistakes and this creates a degree of ambiguity because it's not universally applied and it's not even universally applied to the same person necessarily right and <laughs> and what and, and the reason i think that that's difficult is it forces us to get to know other people it forces us 
to develop a degree of intimacy and vulnerability with other people in order to learn about them, in order to, to grow in their presence. And that's something that I think a lot of us are uncomfortable doing. Even with our close friends and family members, I think sometimes we're uncomfortable doing that. My dad says one person's sanctification is another's legalism. Mm-hmm. So whatever <laughs> whatever spiritual practices or disciplines that might be super sanctifying for me, I can't impose that on someone else and say, this is what you have to be doing to really be following Jesus. Um, it might be sanctification for me and legalism for someone else. And I, I think, you know, it is, um, I think some of that is just so much a part of, of the human experience that if if I feel like there's a certain set of practices to follow, especially if those are viewed as restrictive, that there's this tendency we have to think that everyone else should do that too. And I mean, mm-hmm. we see this with kids, right? Like if, if you like, if a kid feels like their sibling is, is, is being held to a different standard, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, why, why does, you know, Banner get to do that when I don't get to, you mm-hmm. know, why, you know, you're, you're doing this differently. And 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 we 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 want everyone to if i have to do something everyone should have to do it <laughs> and that's just human nature and and i think it spills over to our religious practices mm. and and there's all kinds of other stuff uh that that gets pulled into that but but so much of it comes back to that idea that i think we do just have this idea that that if this is how i see it you should see it the same way and and if this is how i you know, if I'm going to be held to this standard, then, then everyone else should too. And, and yeah, it is a little, and it, as you said at the very beginning, Rachel, it's scary. It's risky. Um, it's, it's all of those things, but I think that's the, that's, that's the unique unity and in some level tension that I think Paul calls Christian community to be held in. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we, we think of and we refer to our culture as and our society as, as divisive and polarizing and things like that. But really, it was all of those things when Paul was writing to people. Like, Paul is yeah. writing to people from completely different backgrounds who are now mm-hmm. trying to come together in community mm-hmm. and who are trying to, to figure out what that looks like in, in ways that were, I'm sure, incredibly polarizing and... Um, mm-hmm. And, and just brought all kinds of different thoughts and opinions to the table. And I think repeatedly you see Paul just kind of recognize that some of that's going to be there. And, and you're going to have to kind of work and live in that tension and to do it with grace and love and, and ultimately thankfulness. And I think that's what it all comes back to. Am, am I able to receive this with thankfulness? And so as I was thinking about this scripture, like that's one thing, I think there's a couple of like kind of major, so like what's the application, what's the takeaway? And I think one of them is like this, this grace that we should have towards other people, this, this lack of judgment uh, that we should have, all of those types of things and, and how we think about others and, and the ways that we carry our own opinions and practices and the ways mm-hmm. that we see those of others. But also, I think it, it encourages us to ask these questions of ourselves because, I mean, how many of us, I mean, I'm, I'm sure at some point we've all like had this question of, is this good? Is this a good thing for me to do? Is this a good thing for me to be a part of? Is this a good practice for me to be doing? And, and I think it's a good question to think of, like, is this something that I can receive in Thanksgiving? 
Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, if I'm letting the Spirit speak, because that's how he starts this, clearly the Spirit says. So if I'm letting the Spirit speak, if I'm paying attention to my conscience, can I receive this from God in thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. And, and if the answer is yes, then have confidence in, in doing it. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you, there's a certain spiritual practice that you want to do. <laughs> let's even make it ironic and say it's a gratitude journal. And when you think about going to do it, you don't really feel very thankful about it. It kind of feels like, <laughs> ugh, like this is another thing I have to check off my to-do list. Um, so if you don't feel thankful in receiving it or going towards it, does that mean you shouldn't do that? See, now you're going on the slippery slope the other way. <laughs> uh, well, I think with everything, it, it a lot of it comes down to, am I engaging, whatever the activity is, uh, even if it's not a spiritual practice per se, but am I engaging in the activity in the spirit in which the activity should be engaged in? So the same thing with going to worship and, and if I am I going to worship with a spirit of thankfulness and a spirit of praise? Um, am I engaging in my prayer life? But also, am I going to work? Am I doing my job with the spirit of, you know, whether it's service or um, dedication or commitment, whatever it is? Am I engaging in the activity in which I, uh, uh, with the spirit in which I should be engaging in it? And I think the first step, if I'm, if the answer to that is no, the first step should never be to give it up. The, I think the, the first step should be to see what is the barrier to me engaging with it in that spirit and try to make that adjustment um, and to, to, to work on myself. Because especially when it comes to things like spiritual disciplines, um, they're not meant to be... Um, they're not meant to keep us static. They're not meant to keep us immobile. They're meant to stretch us and grow us. And and there are going to be times where that's going to take some deliberate effort, maybe even a little bit of pain. You know, it's like going to the gym. You know, you, you sometimes you don't want to go, but if you're committed to it, if you are, if you really want to get the full benefits of it, you're going to go as regularly as you're supposed to. You're going to engage in it as regularly as you're supposed to. And sometimes you're not going to have the spirit uh, of dedication to it and the, and the right frame of mind and the right mood and attitude that, that gets the best results. But when those moments come, I think tending to that lack of spirit, that uh, lack of, of dedication uh, is, is, you know, job one at that point. And so to answer your question, I think if you have a, a spiritual discipline, whether that's a gratitude journal or, or prayer time or Bible study or um, meditation or whatever it is, if you find that you're, you're not going to it with, that, with the spirit that creates the, um, the spiritual benefits that it's meant to, then I got to work on something within me. Uh, I have a choice. I have a choice that I can go into this... Um, being thankful and maybe even kind of evaluating and wrestling my my lack of thankfulness 
or I can see it as well. It's it's the fault of the discipline. It's the fault of the you know gratitude journal. That's not that. It's not my fault. It's the gratitude journal's fault, and so therefore I need to get rid of the gratitude journal. I think that's kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Yeah, I think you know we we've kind of been talking about some of that with rituals too, right? That the the the, the value of rituals isn't in like the singular expression of them it's in the cumulative effect and things like that and and I do think you know and I think this is to me it sort of reminds me your question too sort of reminds me of you know what Paul speaks to in Romans 6 right that you know should we go on sinning them so grace may increase and I think that's where the further you move away from like this rigid adherence to law Mm. the more and more loopholes you're going to be able to find if you're looking for them Mm. Like, well, you know, I'm not receiving this in thankfulness today, so I'm not going to pray. (laughs) You know, like you can do that if you want, but you're not being, you're not being genuine about it. You're not being authentic about it. And I think that's what, I think that's sort of my struggle sometimes when, when people, I think some people hear conversations like this and and say, well, you're, you're just saying anything goes. And I think it's the exact opposite. I mm. think it's I think the lifestyle that Paul calls us to that embraces some of this tension, that embraces freedom, um, that that recognizes the value of discernment and all these things and, and that we may come to different decisions mm. like that that raises your need for knowledge of God's word. It right. raises your need for, for recognition of the work of the spirit within you. It, it, it calls you to a higher standard in, in those areas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it causes us to, to, to be authentic and genuine with ourselves and with others in community. And, and we're always going to be able to find loopholes if, if we want them. Um, but, but I think Paul is calling us to a place of, of thanksgiving and of genuine introspection to say, mm. why, why am I doing this? And, and, um, cause if I'm, you know, I, I also thought of, you know, Jesus, you know, praying in the garden, like, you know, mm. Jesus could have said, well, I'm not receiving this with thanksgiving, so I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to not do it. Um, <laughs> which probably has something to do with how we think about thanksgiving, right? That, that maybe thanksgiving isn't always just, you know, this kind of unadulterated joy. And mm. as we would think about happiness, mm-hmm. but there are things that, th- that there, there may be difficult things that I mm. can at least over the course of time receive in thankfulness. Mm. Uh, it may not be like I want them to look, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, but I think I think the main my main thought was we're going to always be able to find loopholes if we mm-hmm. want them. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying Thanksgiving is not just an emotion, so we shouldn't just look for mm. an emotional sensation to discern whether or not we're being thankful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that probably yeah, could be said funny. of that could be said of a lot of different things that we treat purely as emotion um, as. When I'm working with couples in in therapy, a lot of time the concept of love will come up. And sometimes, especially if it's a couple that um, is in distress, that's that's in a period of difficulty, you know, they will start to question, well, you know, do I feel love for this person? And my response to that is, if you don't, that's because you're not acting in loving ways. Or sometimes... I will ask, you know, the couples, especially those who might be, 
you know, behaving very poorly towards each other, just not treating each other well, I'll say, do you love each other? Then act like it. Act with love um, and and be in love. One of the, um, you know, one of my favorite stories is, is of a, a very famous author of couples therapy books said one time that he had a, he was speaking at a workshop and he had a, he was talking about love and, and uh, his, somebody came up to him after afterwards and said, well, you know, the problem is I don't think I, I love my wife anymore. And he said, well, you have to love her. And he said, well, I just said, I don't think I do. And he said, no, love is a verb. It's an action. And I think that can be said of, of all of a lot of emotions is that love the feeling and thanks the emotion comes out of an action. It's an action verb before it's a feeling. It's an action verb before it's an emotion. And I think that applies to love. I think that applies to gratefulness or, or gratitude. Uh, it applies to thanks. I think it applies to joy even. That um, if, if I don't feel joy, I can't just sit back and wait for joy to envelop me. I need to take action to engage with the the things in life that will elicit joy that will bring joy into my life yeah absolutely and and i think the same thing works for you know you're listing all those things i don't think well like belief belief and faith fits into that Mm -hmm. too i can't remember if you said those specific words but but that's what i was thinking Uh, was that the same thing is true, like faith and, and belief. Those are verbs too. They're things that we we're called to live right. out. And that's what I remember. Um, I think it's Randy Harris who talks about that in John. Like in John, uh, the word believe comes up 84 times in John, mm. which is by far, you know, the most of, of any book in the Bible. Um, but we can think of, of belief as like this very cerebral thing. But but for John, the the word that's used there, at least in a lot of those cases, is a verb. Like it's a verb. Right. It's it's do you or is this something you're living out? Do you do you believe this? Is that seen in your actions? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. And so I don't want to discount the role of emotion in a lot of that. Kind of thinking about my conversation with Rylan last week. That that yeah, hopefully we're bringing our our emotions to that. Uh, but yeah, we can't rely on on that, and that there is certainly a a cerebral, purposeful, intentional aspect of of thankfulness that that goes into it as well, and and an active part of it that goes into it in 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 terms of enacting that and putting it in practice, which I think gets to the the text that I'll preach on, you know, on next Sunday about you know the ten lepers and only one comes back to to physically purposefully say thank you um, because it it takes effort it takes time it takes doing something all those mm-hmm. things there's one little concept here from the first timothy text that i wanted to see if we could pull out so first timothy 4 3 um, it has this phrase that god created to be received with thanksgiving so he's talking about marriage and food and i think there are other things we could put into that category God created these things to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And I was wondering how it might change our outlook on our daily lives if we looked at the things around us and said, 
these things God intentionally created for me to receive them with thanksgiving because I'm someone who believe in him and knows the truth. Um, that it's not just like me making that choice if I, if I will use thanksgiving as a verb in my life, but that that was God's intention when he made these things. Um, and, and one other thing, and then we'll kind of, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second. One other thing that I, that I also saw in that text that, that we hadn't really gotten to yet is that he comes back later in, in verse six, after he says, if you point, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters who will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, then he says, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Which again speaks to that idea of of the need for us to have this uh, this foundation, this base within us of of good teachings, of faith, of, of the truth, all of those things. But then he connects that that idea of nourished on those things. I think he's pulling that imagery back to the food conversation, right? That that if you if if you think that this is what is nourishing you is is these conversations about food and what you do and don't eat and all that thing because that's what matters then he comes back and pulls that same kind of food sort of imagery and says this is what you should be nourished on nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed so let let that be what nourishes you and i think that's just interesting that he pulls that imagery back in after after talking about food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the right teaching is what, it's kind of like, that is the primary concern. Like if you are living out the faith, if you're walking by the spirit, if you're absorbing the the true teaching, then these other things are not really that big of a concern. Like whether or not you get married, what kind of food you eat, like those are very at the secondary level. Um, So I think that's a, a good perspective for us to have is that we do have this freedom in Christ um, when we're walking by the Spirit, and we can receive anything with thanksgiving and are able to discern what we should and should not receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, because he, he says elsewhere, you know, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Is I'm there, certainly. do you think there's also a, a piece of kind of, what's the word self-righteousness and and righteous indignation that we want to have that that makes this difficult so like so i i you know make some sacrifice that maybe i feel good about and that i feel like is i'm i'm making it in thanks but then i see someone not doing that and a little mm-hmm. bit of yeah. resentment comes in you know that 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 i and i think well I, th- I, I'm, I'm doing this for the betterment of my community or the betterment of my soul or whatever, um, and I see this person not doing that or doing it differently, and I, I kind of see that as, I mean, for lack of a better word, maybe sinful, uh, you know, indignation. That, that I kind of begin, and all of a sudden, what may have been like a a holy sacrifice or a holy um, practice for me has become tainted because now I'm comparing myself to someone else. I'm putting myself as God and judge over that other person in a way that is 
discrediting to their own, you know, freedom in Christ. Um, and, and it's focused not so much on the relationship that this may be creating between me and God, but it's all of a sudden made it about a competition between me and this other person. And so as you were talking, that's kind of what, what came to mind was that, um, when we, when we don't do those things that you were referring to, when we, um, you know, don't kind of carefully consider and prayerfully consider and, and make, when we don't make it about, you know, our spiritual walk, we leave ourselves open to making it about something else that is, um, that, that is much less holy and, and more mundane and more selfish in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I was thinking, yeah, I think, I think that's good. I think that's right. And I was, I've kind of been thinking, I hope, um, as with a lot of these conversations, I, I hope that my tone and kind of my words have always come out as intended here and are heard as intended because I, I never want these conversations to appear as if like they're, they're focused on others that like, you just need to be accepting of, of what other people are doing and, and just be okay with that. <laughs> uh, because I think there's an inward, like there's an inward question for all of us here, regardless of how I feel about certain practices or, or issues. Um, because I think, you know, we, um, we may not can be able to relate like the specifics of some of these situations aren't the, the kind of divisive issues now, but I think we, we all probably have ones that we're thinking about that, that are kind of things that still cause divisions and things that we would receive differently. And I think like a fairly easy, not controversial, you know, sort of somewhat one is like, you know, even like movie choices, like you would have a wide, wide range in, in, in Christian circles about like what movies is it good for Christians to watch? What movies should I watch as a Christian? We probably have differences of opinions on that. Um, and I think sometimes it, it, it can become where, where you can kind of judge or look down or become bitter about someone else, no matter about what their choice is, you know, if they choose to partake in more or, or less of those inter- entertainment choices than you do. And, and yeah, I think that the call there on both is to man, just do what you're doing with Thanksgiving and, 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 and leave it at that. And, and, and yeah, as Jason would say, not compare yourself to someone else, not become bitter if you feel like someone else is taking more freedoms than you think they should and, and not become entitled if you're looking at someone else thinking, man, I'm, I'm so much more confident in my freedom than that person. <laughs> yeah. um, and and, and I, we, can re, we can apply that to a wide variety of issues, I think. You know, we don't have the issues with food that I think they did, but we certainly do around things that you would drink, right? And, and what, is, what is good for a, a, a Christian to partake in? I think, you know, things like alcohol use and stuff aren't as big of a deal as they used to be, but it would still, we would still find plenty of differences of opinion. And so we could parse out a lot of these different issues where, where there would be different thoughts. And, and I think it's incumbent on all of us, just as individuals, to think about the ways that we receive those and how we think about those, those things in, in community. And and so for me, I'll close out with this, and then if if y'all have any any closing thoughts, we can we can close out here because I think I, I want to bring it back to Thanksgiving and and that this our conversation has meandered through several different areas here because I do think this is just a a, a very interesting t- text in scripture. Well, and the and the subject, the subject of of thanks and gratitude is I think a difficult one for us to 
really understand how to practice on a regular basis. You know, we th- we we oversimplify it a lot of times in saying, well, if I say thank you, if somebody does something for me and I say thank you, that's gratitude. And I think it's a lot bigger than that. That that gratitude is not just, oh, thank you for, you know, getting me a glass of water or thank you for this gift that you've given me. Uh, it's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's really, in many ways, a way of life um, to always be gratitude at, or grateful for um, for everything that we've been given. And, you know, when you really think about it, everything we have is, in fact, everything we've been given. And and ha- having that spirit is what gratitude is really about. It's not just about saying thank you. Yeah, well said. And so may we be people of thanksgiving this week and gratitude, uh, and not only this week, but as we go through our lives and and. May we be conscious of, conscious of the ways that we are, are receiving things from God and seeing God's creation and the gifts that he has given us as good and things to be thankful for. Amen. Rachel, will you, uh, will you close us in prayer for today? Gracious Father, we are so grateful for every good and perfect gift comes down from you and you have blessed us so abundantly. I just pray that you would open our eyes to see and understand and take note of all the gifts that you have given us. May we have an attitude of thankfulness towards our brothers and sisters, um, not one of comparison, but just um, to be grateful for the freedom that we each have in Christ and for the spirit who's alive inside of each one of us. Thank you for this conversation and may it be a blessing and edification to those who hear it.